Yeah. Swerving like George Gervin. Maneuver smooth with the roll. Handful of that Midas. If I touch it, then it's gold. There ain't no six stones. Crown on to my throne. All right, y'all, I'm gone. Another day. All right, let's ride. talk about it though no playing this ride number 39 man almost almost out the 30s we this the last one and we gone so let's go ahead and get into it real quick florida i know i'm not there but as a floridian i can say we got to get it together there is no way absolutely no way you can excuse for getting your kid in a car in the damn summertime I don't care what your occupation is, how much money you make, how much education you have. There is no way you can be occupied or stupid enough to leave your child in the car. Absolutely not. Not in Florida. Not in the summertime. You mean to tell me this woman got out the car and didn't feel the heat and just think about her kid? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, in South Florida, there was a woman who went into the um, store left her baby in the car. Luckily, another woman found the baby and got the baby rescued from the car. And then the mother shows up, boo-hoo, crying, like, oh, I'm an emergency room nurse, or whatever she was saying. It doesn't matter. At this point, you're a criminal. You endangered the life of your child by leaving them in the hot vehicle in the summertime in Florida. And I don't know where everybody who listens to this is from, but I'm going to give you a little bit of info. If you don't know, Florida is hot and humid. It has a subtropical climate. So for this woman to leave her child in the, in the damn car is baffling to me. Like when that sun hit your skin, did you not feel it? When, when that humidity got on your back as soon as you got out the car, did you just all of a sudden forget you had a child? Were you not in the A.C.? when you got out the car and then stepped directly into the heat i hope we went around with the damn window down i hope that's not your excuse i don't know but that's ridiculous to me man there's there's no excuse for that luckily though some people in florida got it together they did charge her the officer down there said he felt like they had to they had to to set a precedence and this also happened not this but something similar happened in houston where there was a child left on a daycare bus for three hours. That child, unfortunately, didn't make it. He died. They, they checked the heat, and apparently it was 113 degrees in that damn bus. 
somebody's getting sued or somebody's getting their ass whooped. As a parent, I don't know which one it would be. I would hope that I would be forward-thinking enough to not harm that person. But let's just be real. Reality is reality. The emotions can't really be checked when you're in a situation like that. They should be checked in a situation like that. But if somebody was to lose control, as a parent, I would understand. But hit them where it hurts. Hit them in their pockets, man. And make sure they get no more business as a result of this. Or at least that the individual is fired. You don't want to put hard, good, hard-working people out of the job. But make sure at least that person gets fired. Like, I don't understand how people are, are leaving behind children in the heat. And uh, I get it. It's a, there's a lot of kids on the daycare. You're doing the bus run. That kid may have fell asleep or whatever. Get a head count. There's no excuse for that. If they've trusted you with driving the bus, I'm going to assume you've had some type of experience or, and or training working with children. I don't know how that got missed. I don't know how they weren't able to see the child. They should have did a sweep on the bus just to make sure that there's nobody else back there and or they should have swept the bus to make sure it was clean if it was at the end of the day because I'm assuming that the father was going to pick up his child at the end of the day. If they didn't, they didn't find the boy back there and realize he didn't get home, that tells me nobody swept the bus at the end of the day to make sure it was clean. That's another problem. Moral of the story is take care of kids, take care of your kids, and take care of other kids in your care if that's your job and or responsibility. It's too damn hot to be leaving kids behind in cars. That's all I got for that. Now, on to the juicy trash portion of the podcast. Donnie T, 45, in the news as per usual. But this one is it's, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit has a little different vibe to it, I'll say. And I say this because when the people, I could say the people, when the media covered the story, it was actually covered kind of the same, at least for like the first couple of days or at least on one show. So there was a meeting between Putin and Donnie T. They had that backdoor discussion. Then they came to the podiums. And then this brave reporter asked a question. How do you basically ask them, how do you feel about the Russians hacking the election? And if old Donnie T didn't nut up right there on stage, oh my God. I've never seen a man in a position like that. You're supposed to have be you're supposed to be backed by the world's greatest military. You have all this confidence. You carry yourself in a in a bullish manner. You're a rude, disrespectful guy. You're standing next to another guy, a smaller guy in stature. And you just nut up in front of the world. You take the side of the guy who supposedly hacked your election over the side of your own intelligence officers. Baffling. It would not make sense if we weren't talking about a certain individual. If we weren't talking about a person who Putin isn't supposed to have dirt on. If we're talking about a person that doesn't have money flowing through Russia via international business, let's just keep it a buck. I have to believe at this point he has a contingency plan for when he's done with his presidency. Like, why wouldn't he? That'd be ridiculous not to. There's life after this job. He still has all his companies. 
He says he's not making money off of them. His kids are running them, but we know the deal. We know the truth. He's still getting paid off of these things. So, if I'm him, do I try to stay good for when I'm gone, or do I blow it all up? Obviously, he's going to stay. He's going to try to stay good for when he's gone, because the next election isn't guaranteed with his approval rating. The way things have been going on, it it doesn't look good. But then again, don't underestimate the um the American people because people have been holding on, like they've been holding on to a sinking ship instead of instead of going swimming for freedom in life. It's like the Titanic, but nobody's trying to escape. People are hanging on and just going down with the ship, watching this man act as president. It's crazy to me. I don't know. I, I just can't see how any level-headed person could do this. It's like having to make excuses for your friend who's been out cheating on his wife all day long, and you drop him off. He's too drunk to talk, so she's drilling you with questions. And, he, and you're like, oh, no, he, yeah, he, he didn't hear his phone. Or no, no, that wasn't, that text wasn't, whatever. That's what, it, that's what it's like watching this guy move around. He says something, his people have to come clean it up. He walks out the bathroom with toilet paper hanging out the back of his pants. Somebody comes and snatches the toilet paper before you can take a picture of it. That's the type of shit we're talking about here. It's ridiculous at some point, at this point. But it is what it is, man. I have no choice but to feel like Putin has something on this man. Or he just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He was already trying to get Russia back into the G7. It just, it just doesn't align. You bully all these other world leaders. When it comes down to this man, you shit on your own country. And then got the nerve to turn around and say you want NFL players to be punished if they don't stand for the anthem. You got a lot of nerve. It was a distraction. Were you trying to, to shake things up because you got played on international television and then you had to run damage control for every day after that? Or were you trying to divert from the fact that them tapes leaked or that, let me, let me word it this way, that your, your lawyer was secretly recording you. The guy who was supposed to have paid for Stormy Daniels, who you were supposed to have paid back, Michael Cohen was recording you the whole time, being a lawyer, and now that tape leak, which one was the distraction? Or was the NFL a weak-ass attempt to try to distract from both stories? Because this isn't going to go away. You gave people too much to read into. They were already on your ass about your relationship with him anyway, and then you go and get played on television by him, and then you have the tape coming out. It's like, how are you managing this? How are you getting anything done? Between the tweets and every other scandal you got going on every different week is, is ridiculous. I'm almost, I'm almost picking him to win the next election. I don't want him to, but I'm looking at it. It's like, we as Americans like sensational shit. And to be real, he is fantastic for ratings. Even if you look at his whole journey from being a candidate to being the president. If you look at the way the networks did it, the Dean, the Democratic nomination, you barely even saw it on TV. Like it was there, but it wasn't really there. The big show was the Republican nomination. That shit was on twice a day. They had so many nominees. It was crazy. But the one on primetime with all the name with all the names you recognize, that's the one where Donald Trump was. He wasn't at the end. He was right smack dab in the middle of everything. His podium was the one in the middle. Every damn time. They basically set it up so that you had to zero in on him the whole time. 
because he was supposed to be the whipping boy for all the seasoned candidates. But it's like neuro-linguistic programming. It's short and it's simple and you repeat it enough, it becomes catchy. And that's what he did. He used short, simple phrases that everybody could understand. It's going to be big. It's going to be great. We're going to win. We're not going to lose. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Email, email, email. That's what he did. And if you are willing to listen to that over and over and over, in your brain it becomes true. And that's why they do things like have slogans and taglines when they do marketing and promoting. You want that familiar phrase. That familiarity makes you comfortable with whatever product it is. It's why McDonald's has been, I'm loving it for so long. You know, it's why they had always Coca-Cola. This, these slogans, they don't go old. They don't get old. Like, just do it. Have it your way. Run for the border. All this stuff is things, you know, you remember it. And the minute they change a slogan, it gets it's weird to you. You know, it's, it's weird. It's like, wow, that, that's surprising that they changed it. But it's because it's programmed in, in your brain to expect that. After every time you know you see a product or you hear a commercial, you expect that certain tagline or it throws you off. I've been singing that damn Mossy Nissan song for years. And that's probably a San Diego thing for those of you who don't know there. It's a, obviously a car dealership. But you just get what I'm saying. You get used to hearing that tagline. And that's, that's all it was. Drain the swamp. Lock her up. It's going to be big. It's going to be great. We're going to win. That's what it was over and over and over again. Obama, it was the same thing over and over again. And people bought into that shit. Because if you think about it, and I'm going to put myself with this group, the majority of us don't really understand the language of policy. As soon as people start talking about policy, you're listening for the first few minutes and then your mind starts to trickle off. And you have to go actually read up on that. For Americans who were just tired of Obama and tired of the left, Having somebody go up there with a big personality who was speaking a language they could understand, who was a familiar face, they're locked in. And I'm going to tell you, I watched every Republican debate that led up into the presidency, so I could see it. The production value was great. They had all the commercials that run through prime time. All that shit was on point because this man equals ratings. So we'll see how it, how it rolls out for the next election. I don't know who the Democratic uh, nominee will even be. I'm thinking maybe Kennedy. Who knows if Hillary's going to run again. I'm pretty sure Bernie Sanders don't trust anybody enough to run again since he was sabotaged by the DNC. We're going to see. It's going to be a wild ride. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it a little bit. I've been on my news break for a little bit, trying not to pay attention to shit. But this happened to catch my ear. And I was like, man, I, I got to check this out. I got to see what's going on. I don't want to be the one that can't have a conversation because of because, you know, I'm just not paying attention. So with the World Cup being over, I really don't have an excuse. And with all the African teams losing, well, except for France, with all the African teams losing, I really didn't have nothing to root for. Shout out to Trevor Noah. He um actually got a letter from some, I forgot the, the position the guy had in France, but he got a letter, a stern letter from the guy in France who was uh, upset about how he was like, congratulations to Africa because over France's team was from Africa, which was a fact. I saw them on TV. And I was like, damn, that's France. It looked kind of dark. Like, I didn't think they got tans like that in France. I don't think there's that many mixed folks over there. I could be wrong. I know there's a good amount, but I could be wrong. But that team looked awful dark. I mean, so, you know, he was telling a joke. But in reality, a lot of those guys were African. And the 
the guy from France, I forgot his name, was just, he was kind of, I guess, bothered by the statement. Where Trevor Noah went on to make his point, I'm not going to dig into it. If you want to look it up, it's it's going to be on Comedy Central. It's going to be on whatever Facebook video. I'll probably put it out there myself. Or I will if I remember. So, it was pretty funny, though. But, yeah, man, uh, Donnie T back in the news, as per usual. He's going to stay there. Ain't nothing changed. It is what it is. And uh, speaking of which, I know uh, when I was on my homie last week, my boy Brooks, I was talking to him about black conservatives. And I was watching um, the White House brief. It's a, it's one. Of, it's from CRTV. I don't, I don't know what that is. But I just know it. it's one of the things you can watch on Facebook. And as I'm easing back into watching political news, it just happens to pop up in my feed. And on there, the, the host of that show, his name is John Miller. Uh, he's one of the guys I was talking about last week. I just couldn't remember, remember his name. But the black conservatives is like, ah, they, they make me angry because I just don't know who their target is. I really don't. I know I talked about it last week, but it bothers me because I like to watch both sides of the news. I don't like to just watch CNN, HLN. I'll go and I'll look at Fox and see what the same... So, you know, so you can compare and kind of bounce them off each other because liberal is going to lean liberal. Right is going to lean right, as always. You just got to kind of find where to meet in the middle and be able to pull the truth out of what people are saying. It just makes me angry when I see somebody black up there. When you could be talking to black people, you're not talking to black people. You're talking about black people. And I know the news shouldn't just be about us, but I'm thinking like, hey, if we're out here and we're and we're all messed up, you should make a concerted effort to speak to us, especially if you think people are Democratic, are Democratic voters because they're being fooled by the left and because of the Democratic Party's history. I get all that, but talk to us, not at us or about us. It feels like you're trying to be the black guy in the room making jokes about black people with all his white friends. And your black friends are just sitting there looking at you like, what the fuck, man? Like, you, if you are in a position to help us, help us. Don't shit on us, John Miller, Candace Owens, Amazing Lucas. Don't, don't, don't shit and piss on us. Help us. Educate us. If you don't think we should be re- Democrats and you think we should be Republicans, make us see the light. Make us see the light. That's, that's all I'm saying. But don't, don't trash me and then expect me to listen to what you're saying because... Most people aren't like me. I like to call myself a glutton for punishment. I'll listen. Even though it irritates me and makes me angry, I'll sit there and I'll listen. Just to check it out, just for information's sake, I'll listen to it. But it, it, just, it just digs at me every time. But I, I have to go past it to see what they're saying because I try not to shit on the person. Because I, I don't ever want to diminish their accomplishments. They're still black people. They still made it to a certain level of success. And if I was to just disregard everything they did, I would kind of, in my in my own way, be doing the same thing I feel like they're doing. Check them out, listen, and listen with a grain of salt because I know the message can't be soft, but just make it palatable for people to listen to and absorb. Anyway, I'm off that. I got to gotta get away from that. On to sports, man. Uh, Josh Hart, Summer League MVP. That's good for the Lakers. I like it. My concern is now, is he going to stay there? The Lakers have added a lot of pieces. And this is a, this is a part of the LeBron effect 
I don't like. I understand it's L.A., La La Land, Showtime. You want to win now if you can win now. But there's a thing to be said about patience when building a team. Perfect example, Golden State. They were in the toilet for 20, 30 years. They kept trying to build the team the right way, pulling in free agents, getting the right coaches. It didn't work for a while, but once they started getting the right pieces together, the right free agents, the right draft picks, the right coaching staff, it started clicking. Even after Mark Jackson left, it was still on, it was on the up. Steve Kerr got there and made things work. They even went as far as bringing in Steve Nash to help out with the team uh, behind the scenes. But my thing is, like, patience. Patience will get you where you're trying to go in sports for the long haul. You may be able to grab a free agent uh, that's a star and try to plug him in, and you may get to the playoffs. You may get deep into the playoffs, but a lot of times those teams fall apart unless you have, like, a superstar free agent like LeBron James. My only thing with that is, with James being the age he is, he wants to win now. Having a name there that big, the organization wants to win as soon as possible. Now, I think the expectations there are real as far as not next season, maybe a season or two from now. But I just don't like the 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 instant, okay, we got this guy here, now we got to go get this guy and that guy. I really like the Lance Stevenson pickup. I like that one a lot. I feel like that's somebody who's going to bring a competitive edge to L.A. as well as Rajon Rondo. Now, with Michael Beasley, offensively great pick, I'm just trying to figure out how all these pieces fit. What's the starting five going to look like? Is Mo Wagner going to play? Is my Luke, I keep, I keep messing his name, is my Luke going to play? Like, I don't want to see these guys in the G League. These guys seem to have some type of talent. I hope they get rotation time because you have JaVale McGee probably at the five starting. I don't think they have Brooke Lopez anymore. So JaVale McGee, the argument is, let's say they put LeBron at the four, Ingram at the three, um, they keep Caldwell Pope. He's at the two. And Lonzo's at the at the one. And then coming off the bench, you have Rondo, Stevenson, Kuzma. Is Michael Be is Michael Beasley the four? Or is Kuzma the Kuzma the four? Michael Beasley or Kuzma at the three or four? Flip flop whoever. And then uh who's at the five? Is Mo Wagner at the five coming off the bench? I don't know. It's, it just seems like a lot of pieces. And while they're, they're building a good, what should be a good team, I just hope it all fits, and I hope it's not adding too much too soon because, for me, I would love to see the young players be able to get in there and build that relationship with the guys who are already there and just keep that young core together, and then maybe you could win for years to come instead of maybe winning for one year and then all these free agents are gone. I just don't like with a basketball team adding, like, two more free agents. I think after that point it gets a little bit weird. Now if, you now if you're in straight rebuilding mode it makes sense to blow your roster up and then just get a bunch of you get a bunch of guys and try to try to make them fit where you can but this team is it's not established established but you got a good young core. Now my thinking is that because of the blockbuster trade that happened between Toronto and San Antonio they might be getting pieces 
so they can make a trade. Because I doubt, I highly doubt Kawhi Leonard's going to stay in Toronto. I think the Lakers are trying to pull together some pieces to compensate for them maybe sending some of their young talent to Toronto in order to get Kawhi. That I could see being a possibility. Said you package Ingram and Kuzma, you send those two young young talents to Toronto, then you get Kawhi because he's probably not going to resign there. His deal is still his deal. His deal didn't change. Had they done like a signing trade, that would make sense. But the way I'm looking at it now, like if I'm the Lakers and I want Kawhi Leonard right now, I got a few months before the season. A few months before the season starts, I'm pushing this trade. But I just don't. I don't see giving up Kuzma. And that's what I'm saying, or or Brandon Ingram for that matter, or Josh Hart. That's what I'm calling the LeBron effect. Before, if say they had no chance of LeBron coming there, okay, cool. We didn't get Paul George. We didn't get LeBron James. But we still have this. We still got money, and we still have this young crop of talent that we can bring veterans in to fill the gaps we have and help build these guys up. You're still in a good spot. You're still in L.A. That's never going to change. People are going to want to play there. And then maybe you get Kawhi Leonard to come back after his season in Toronto. That's if you're patient. But when you get LeBron and you add him to the equation, he's going to sell tickets. He's going to sell merchandise. The TV ratings are going to be up. You're going to win more games. But I just think it expedites the process that you should kind of take your time with. Like Golden State, they, they drafted Draymond. They drafted Curry. They drafted Clay. Then they built around that, and they had people they brought in as free agents. Like, the biggest name they had brought in prior to KD and a couple of years ago was probably Iguodala. And then they went out, they got, like, the JaVale McGee's, the Zaza Pachulia's, and people to put around K, um, not, not KD, but Clay, Steph, and Draymond. And it worked even before KD got there. So I would just like to see an organic team built and we don't see them like that anymore. Like, you got, like, what's going on in Boston. They have, like, an organic team. They just ended up adding Kyrie because he asked for the trade. But Boston is another example. They had to go through their shit, but they got it together, and they got a bunch of good draft picks, and they look good. Milwaukee had that potential, but unfortunately, Jabari Parker got, Jabari Parker got hurt. We'll see what the Bulls are doing. The Knicks may have also done that as well. I'm not I'm not completely going to throw uh, – T. Lakino away. I think that's how you say his name, the point guard. He may be able to play. Porzingis, he's out, but they did just draft Kevin Knox, who looks like he's a legitimate scorer. So it's, it's going to be interesting, man, in the next couple of years to see what happens in the NBA. I just don't like the, the microwave team. I think, it, I think it takes away from what you could have if you build with a young talent. But I'm not an executive, so I might not know what the hell I'm talking about. Um... To my point about that trade, though, it was crazy. Durant, uh, not Duranto, um, Lebronto, goddammit, but for real. DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard, that trade was crazy. Toronto lost a young center, and I think a, a, a first-round draft pick, and they gained Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. And the one thing I know about it is that DeMar DeRozan was fucking pissed because apparently he had spoken with the management, and they told him they weren't going to trade him. Because this is a kid from L.A. who decided not to go to L.A. when the Lakers would have took him. He decided to re-sign and stay in Toronto. And that's rare. All the big stars have left Toronto. 
Vince left. T-Mac left. Whoever the hell else was up there. Chris Bosh, he left. All the stars left Toronto. It's not America. It's not far, but it's still not America. It's cold up there. A lot, I can see a lot of NBA guys thinking like, man, I got options. I can live in the States. I can live closer to home. I can get better weather. I can see a lot of guys like, nah, I'm cool on that. I'm going to go ahead down there. But he was one of the guys, I'm talking about DeMar, who wanted to stay there and play. He had just led them to their best, the most wins in the season ever. Unfortunately, they got swept in the playoffs. I mean, but that ain't all him. That's, you know, some of that's on the team, but you, LeBron was in rare form. And when you got the best player in the world and your coach don't feel out a way for you to figure out a way for you to stop him, I can't put that blame all on him, especially if that's not the person who you, that he's guarding. I can see J.R. Smith for just putting up buckets all over the Rosen. That'd be something different. That just wasn't the case. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a crazy situation. We'll see what Kawhi does. Hopefully, DeMar DeRozan settles down in, in San Antonio, gets with Pop, and does great things. We'll see. Uh, just We just got to wait. Music. Jim Jones has an album out. It's been out for a while. I just hadn't listened to it. It's called Wasted Talent. It's kind of good. I've listened to it right before I did this, man. He has a couple of songs on there. Obviously, the Dipset features. Um, he has still Dipset with Joel Santana. He has Diplomatic Immunity with Cameron. Both good songs. He has another song called Gotta Be Real. Well, I forgot the female's name, but that's a dope song. I'll let y'all know how I feel about the rest of the album when I get to But so far, it sounds pretty good. I like it. I like it a lot. Sticking with music. Um, Takashi may or may not have been robbed and pistol whipped. When my boys tagged me in the joint, I saw like TMZ reported that Takashi was coming back from a video shoot, about to walk into the crib. Somebody blocked off his driveway, hopped out on him. Pistol whipped him, put him in the car unconscious, went back to his crib, ran in the crib, got his jewelry, ran out, and I guess with them leaving him in the car, he jumped out the car, took off running. One of the guys chased, was chasing after him but didn't want to get identified. Then apparently this guy jumped, then the, this guy Takashi jumped in a, a stranger's uh, passenger side, and that person called the ambulance and got him uh, taken away. That's one story. That's the story that TMZ put out. And the other story is that they tried to rob him, but they didn't get nothing or whatever, something crazy like that. Is it true? I don't know. But what I'm saying is it's likely that it's true because of the things that this kid has done. He's been talking a lot of shit and rocking a lot of jewelry. Like, I don't understand if you're going to say things about how you so gangster, how you got so much money. Why would you be in a neighborhood where people don't have shit? Especially if you're still living there. It just doesn't make sense to me. And you ask for this shit. Well, you're one of these people that's, that, that talk like you want you want all the smoke. The smoke will come find you and choke your ass out. And it's looking like that's what happened to this kid. Now, some people were saying it might be staged. And it might, it might very well be. I wouldn't put it past him to be, you know, like an internet troll and and troll and make it look like something happened when it really didn't. I don't know. I don't know what the purpose is. Is it sympathy? Do you really have somebody on your ass? And you want to make it look like somebody got to you for the sympathy and to make it like you hot and that the police is watching you so people really won't mess with you? You came off a tour, went to court. A few days later, you getting pistol whipped. You're having a bad run. 
And if it is true, it's just like I said. Nobody cares about you apologizing for what you did after that boy X got killed. Don't nobody care about that shit. You in New York City. Y'all tough. Y'all tough, right? Well, that's what happens when people act tough. Somebody tougher comes through and tries to, and tries to test you to see, to see where you at with it for real. Nobody's going to have sympathy when you invited that energy away. That little weak-ass Instagram apology don't mean shit to the people you already offended. So I urge these young folks, you talk, talk crazy online, somebody's going to find you. You're going to bump into somebody real on the internet who's going to be looking for you in real life. But what do I know? I'm just washed up. Joe Button said some, Joe Button said some dope shit. He has an interview on one of his pull-up episodes with uh, Vince Stables. And he was telling him, he's like, isn't it great being washed up? I, I told my wife this, the same thing. Like, I don't care what I wear. I don't care what people think about me. I just go places and do stuff. Being washed up is phenomenal. You just start to see things in a different light. And you don't care. It's just one less thing you got to worry about in life. You got to get here, though. You got to not be in the streets. You got to not get killed. You got to not get locked up. I ain't going to say you got to be married, but probably better off if you're married and washed up than single and washed up trying to find somebody else because you're just going to find somebody else who's washed up. So I would say you should probably be married if you're going to be washed up. And then you really won't give a shit. I do just enough so that my wife is good. <laughs> if, I, if we going somewhere and I don't know what I want to wear, I just ask her, hey, what you want me to wear? It's easy, bro. Get to the stage in life where you washed up and you don't have to be com concerned with petty shit. It's a good life. You just got to make it here. Yeah, man, other than that, man, that's that's pretty much it. Other than the fact that I went to my very first Comic-Con. And boy, was that eye-opening. I urge you now, if you have children, push the nerdiness, man. If they're involved in some things that you may feel is on the nerdy side. I know if you grew up in the 80, 80s and 90s like me, like we didn't fuck with nerds at all for the most part. But nerd shit is great. It was really, really cool to see people out there being themselves and being who they really wanted to be. There's a lot of people out there dressed up in these really elaborate costumes. And some people looked really, really bad. But they were out there having fun. I just think it's great. I want to go back next year. I went two days out, two days for the time they were here. I went Friday and I went, I went Thursday, the first day, and I went Saturday. And Thursday was crazy because I left straight from work and went over there and I could barely find parking. So I'm going to give you a bit of advice. If you ever are thinking about coming to Comic-Con, save up all year. Fuck Christmas. Don't worry about nobody's birthday. Just save if you're one of these serious people because this comic convention and all it is is collecting things. And to collecting stuff, you're going to want to bring some money because one, the prices of everything is going to go up. The hotels are going to be ridiculous. And I almost parked, almost paid $50 for parking. But lucky for me, somebody risked their job and let me park for free. Shout out to that lady, whoever she is. But she saved me a whole lot of money. Because I damn sure was about to, to do something illegal and get in trouble. But she looked out for she looked out for the cookout that day, and I appreciate that. But if you want to come out to Comic-Con, bring some money and be yourself and just enjoy it. Just people outside the event for all the folks who are worried about coming and not being able to get in. I mean, yeah, the, if you really want to get in, get your tickets. I don't know how much it costs. I got mine for free. I did some volunteer shit. But 
I think if you've never been and this like a, a, a bucket list thing for you, I really think you should do it. They had all the reveals and everything, and I just felt like I was really out of place because I didn't know nothing about shit that was going on. I wasn't standing in line trying to go listen to one of these panels or none of that. I just walked around and just I was just people watching. I didn't even make it downstairs the first couple of hours I was there because I was just walking around trying to figure out why people were standing in these lines and like just trying to look and see if there's anything that caught my interest because on the top of the convention, they just have a bunch of, they have like 30-something panels, I'll say, or 30-something rooms, and they have a bunch of different panels throughout the day, and they'll have the schedule on the door, so you can just look and see what you want to check out, and then go in there and take a look. I, I actually went to one of the voiceover things they had in there. They had they had one of one of the guys who reads audio books. They had a guy who was the voice of the tick, who also did the spots for um, NBC, uh, must-see TV on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. They had the woman who does the voice for Peggy Hill. She stopped by, and Peggy Hill from King of the Hill, if you're not familiar. And it was cool for them to be out there and just give out some industry secrets. Now, I'm not a voiceover actor by any means. I, I made a joke about it. If I could do it, I would. But it's not really something I'm really, really striving to do unless you got a plug. Hit me up. Y'all know what hit me at. Anyway, it was cool to see them give tips to people that were actually interested in that. And it, they actually gave a few people to get up. They actually gave a few people opportunities to get up and display their talent in front of everybody there. And for the most part, everybody who got up did really well. But they gave them a couple of secrets or whatever. And I, I feel like that was really cool for people to like, to like see their heroes. And that was the great thing to me about Comic-Con because... When you're a casual fan, you don't dig. You see something on TV, or you hear it on the radio, you see it on the internet, that's it. That's it. You don't really dig into it. It just it just goes by, and you're on to the next. And that's like me with TV. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead, but I don't know who writes it. I don't know the actors' names. I just know that's Rick. And, and that's The Walking Dead. Like, I know the other characters' names, like Negan and all that. I know their names, but I don't know what their names are off-screen at all. I like to I like to immerse myself in the show when I'm watching it. I don't give a damn what your real accent is, what other movies you've been in. When I'm watching that, that's all I'm doing, I'm watching that. I don't care about nothing else. I'm just enjoying the show. The ins and outs don't matter to me. On the flip side of that, I like music. But I have friends involved in the music business. I've recorded songs myself. So when I see like a rapper or whatever, I like to know who made the beat if possible. And that's why I love Tidal so much. Because when you use that streaming service, when you click on the song, it'll give you the credits. You, you'll know who wrote the song, who did vocals on the song, who produced the song, who mixed the song. You'll know all that just by looking at title and to me I think that's dope because it's just like the credits for like a you know like like a movie or a TV show and it's just it all depends on what your interest is and that's what this what Comic Con was to me in my opinion it's the it's for the people who look at the credits in these movies they want to know who the director was maybe the audio engineer or whatever because it's the industry it's convention it's not just 
hey, let's play dress up in its comics and Marvel movies and DC movies. No, it's for people who really have a deep interest in what's going on. And that's the part I didn't think about. I thought people were just out there having fun, which that was the case too. It was definitely the case, but it's for the people who want to know what's going on in the mind of the industry insiders and how they can break into the business. And in that sense, I definitely underestimated the importance of Comic-Con. But it was dope. They had all type of cool shit out there. I'm not going to give you too much of it, but it definitely made me want to start looking at graphic novels because the, the, the artwork just looks so cool. It's like just like with podcasts. You want to make your um your cover art something that's going to attract somebody's eye. And I didn't really get to look at those because I was just walking around, wandering around, trying to see what was what. But once I actually stopped and looked, I was like, that shit does look kind of interesting. Maybe I can get into one of these graphic novels to be one of these guys. Maybe my kid was going to like to draw, and I can bring her out with me next time. At least that's the goal. But if you ever get an opportunity to check it out, please go check out Comic-Con. It's super dope, and I do hope to be there next year. And with that, man, y'all be good, man. I'm shutting it down. Like I always say, if you want to get at me, noplayinthisride at gmail.com. Noplay247 at Twitter. That's capital N. Lowercase O, capital P, L A Y, no play 247 at Twitter. Facebook page, no playing this ride. I'm also on SoundCloud now, so I'm on SoundCloud, Apple, Google Play, all that stuff, all under no playing this ride, man. YouTube as well. Please, if uh, you want to share it, let other folks know. Like always, make tomorrow better than today. Learn something tomorrow you didn't learn today. Y'all be good out there.